Welcome to the Move with Modus podcast. My name is Dr. Christopher Ellis, and joining me is personal trainer John Williams. We are the owners of Modus Personal Training and Physiotherapy. Together, we will discuss any topic you can think of when it comes to training and rehab. From the carnivore diet to hip impingement, you can be sure that all your questions will be answered. Enjoy this week's episode. So I, uh, this, will, this will end up feeding into our conversation later. Um, but I wrote a post today on Facebook. I put it on the Modus Facebook too. I said, because uh, I got this text from this woman who was cleared by her doctor to go start training because she was having like back pain. I forget if she had surgery or not, but she some sort of herniation or something like that in the lower back. And she was going to come in for an eval one day. And she doesn't come in, no call, no show. And I text her. I'm like, hey, like, where are you? She's like, hey, I, I didn't come in for the eval because um, my lower back was really hurting me. I'm like, that's, that's why you're coming in for the eval, <laughs> yeah. is to fix this. Like, I'm not taking you through, I'm not going to have you do burpees today, yep. but we have to figure out what's going on here. Then I texted her again today, just sort of following up, seeing if she wants to come in. And I'm like, hey, how's the back doing? She's like, oh, it's so far so good. She's like, I'm getting injections. I'm like, okay. And so I, I just had to because I'm getting so sick of hearing it. And this is going to feed into our conversation of like a niche later on. But I said, hey, friends and family, I just wanted to say something. If you have lower back pain, no amount of cortisone or chiropractic work is going to fix it. You can't ice rest or heat the pain away. Your physician won't know what to do either. Go see a certified trainer or physical therapist. They'll be able to find the source of the back pain and solve it from there. Strong. And it's it's doing really well. Everybody seems to enjoy it. You know, my friends and family are probably happy that I've said that. Um, posted on the Modus page as well. Not sure how it's doing there, but it's just, it's one of those things I see so often and I'm so good at fixing and we've had conversations about and it's such a deeper problem than icing and heating and cortisone that, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think some of those things have their place, um, but I think that should be the last thing you do, not the first thing you do, right? Yes. Movement is medicine, period, right? That's that's what you should do is learn how to move in a non-painful way, shut off the pain signals that are coming from the brain, because uh, that, that is a whole other topic of pain science, right? Yeah. You're, basically, your body's like perceiving a threat, and you're like, oh, don't move. Uh, so you just got to learn how to move pain-free, get some perfusion of your body. You know, that's the stuff that really is going to help. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are instances where I've had someone in severe pain where I, they just can't even move at all. Okay. Then we can talk about that. But, uh, that's most, so few I would say nine, people. yeah, 90 plus percent. You got to move. Yeah. If you can walk to the grocery store and like walk around shop and do all that sort of stuff and go home, don't go lay down afterwards. Like go see somebody and, and keep moving and keep moving well. Um, which is, I suppose, the most important part. But, um, you know, my one of my niches I've found that I'm particularly good at solving because I dealt with it so much as a trainer is helping people with lower back pain because there's very common sources of it. Obviously, it gets more complex, which is when you have to refer out to somebody who's a little more skilled at that. But as a general principle, as a trainer, you need to find what your niche is, right? Mine's helping people with lower back pain. Uh, mine's helping people with running mechanics. But you know, you might not be that. You might be really good at something else. You might be really good at solving knee pain. You might be really good at like youth female athletes or whatever the case might be. You need to think back of, okay, what were my best experiences training? Where could I provide the most benefit and where did I have the most fun? 
that's probably your niche. That's what you should attack. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, you know, I definitely, this is where I've screwed up the most as a trainer, is I thought in the beginning I could just solve any problem. I'm good at solving everything. I can train anybody. And I marketed myself with that philosophy. Like one of my first ad videos was, hey, if you have pain or if you're 70 years old with a shoulder replacement or if you're like an 18-year-old youth athlete, come train with me. And that, I, that was all in one ad. Who am I speaking to? Nobody. Everybody, but no one's listening. Exactly. When you try to appeal to everybody, you actually appeal to nobody because right. nobody cares. Because yeah. um, you're like, how, how do I know you're good at all of this? That's, that can't be possible. Right. The, it's like uh, if my AC goes out, I don't want the company that does everything. I want an AC company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing, one of my clients is like in construction. Well, he does very specific. He does painting and restoration. Now, he could do some other construction components. Like he could build you an outdoor kitchen if you wanted to. But his niche is painting and restoration. That's what they're particularly good at. Yeah. If we look at other really successful companies, right? Nike, for example. Well, they supply a lot of things for a lot of people. That's not how they started. They started out of a van selling track shoes to track athletes because the guy, Bill Bowerman, was a track coach at Ohio State, and then his co-founder, um, Phil Knight, was a track athlete, right? So they made the Nike Cortez. They sold them out of a van. Now they're, you know, however big they are. Apple made the first personal computer. Now they make watches that give you notifications and emojis and stuff. You know, if we look at Amazon, Amazon started selling books online. You know, we have to start somewhere. As much as we want to help everybody, we have to start somewhere. Now, did you ever have that like sort of existential crisis in the beginning where you're like, I want to help everybody, but somehow yep. I, this isn't working? 100%. Yep. I mean, definitely out of PT school, uh, you know, I want to treat like, you know, orthopedics, neurology, pediatrics. People with TMJ, because physical therapists actually can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you quickly learn, okay, I'm not great at this, or I don't like doing this, or I find this boring, or this is super exciting. I think that's what, you know, that's how I kind of went into orthopedics. Like, that, I just enjoy that. If you enjoy it, you're going to tend to seek out more knowledge and, and, like, do all your continuing education. And, you know, you're going to kind of sharpen your sword for the stuff you like. Yeah. That, so that's how I got into where I am now. I've got even more niche-specific now. Talk about it. Okay. All right. So, um, so talk about, give me like the process of like, okay, the initial frustrations of, I thought I could tra treat everybody and then to, okay, I realized I really like this. Okay. Now I'm doing a lot of this. Okay. So, well, let's see. How should I start this? So I used to do home health physical therapy, which kind of sounds cool. It's like really good money a flexible schedule, right? Um, you're going to people's homes, you're helping someone like learn how to walk again or something like that. Uh, but what I found is that either I'm not good at it <laughs> or that maybe it's just you're dealing with a lot of people with sort of end stage disease processes like like uh, like a Parkinson's, for example. And the best you're going to do is slow down a disease process, maybe. Again, maybe I just suck at it. Um, but it never felt like progress to me. And I, I like results. I like progress. Mm -hmm. I like people to... <clears throat> get better, like get out of pain and get back to whatever it is they'd love to do. That to me is like, you know, so there's a selfishness to it, I guess. Of so yeah, that, that's what I want for people. Like, Cause that like when they walk out of the office and they're feeling great, I'm like, yes, I did the right thing today. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably the, you know, philosophically, that's probably where it all start, like stems from. Yeah. And then when did you start realizing, Hey, this is what I really like to do. I'm pretty good at solving this problem. I've seen myself solve in the past. And also that experience was a really enjoyable for me. Um, so 
I think I got into orthopedics because that's usually not very clear. So there's like detective work you have to do, mm-hmm. right? That to me is fun. Like if you, my blog post is all about this, all these relationships, you know, you know, why does your glute weakness tie into your back pain? I, I'm really interested in those kind of relationships. So if you're doing like, uh, you know, home health, it's just very straight up. It's like Parkinson's, you know, make them better. Uh, whereas when people are coming in for just like musculoskeletal pain, usually the script we get is like back pain, knee pain, ankle pain, right? It's very like, we don't know what's going on. Just fix them. Right. Uh, so that, that's fun for me that, that cause I have to do like a thorough evaluation, look at everything, take a, a history. So it, it's detective work. And I think that's the fun part. It's like wrapping your head around it and solving these issues. That's probably why I got into orthopedics. Anything more specific than that in the orthopedic realm that you're like, oh, like this joint is my favorite. Yeah. This specific problem with this specific joint yep. is becoming a real. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I remember I started and I think my first favorite joint was the neck. Well, cervical spine, really. Um, I don't know. Then I kind of migrated away from that, got into shoulders. And now it's like I really feel like I do the best with hips. I think hips are fun to work with. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with the hip. Um, it's the shoulder can be like a real touchy joint, like really painful. So it's really kind of easy to screw someone's shoulder up the wrong, if you do the wrong thing. Uh, the hip, um, I don't know. It's, it's our, it's our prime engine. That's how I see it. So it, it can take a lot, uh, but it can also suffer a lot. And, uh, you know, I've really, and you can solve a lot of problems when you solve a lot of hip problems. Yeah. You can solve a lot of shoulder problems when you solve a lot of hip problems. You can solve a lot of ankle problems as well. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And that, yeah, I like just the whole lower extremity, the way the ankle plays into the knee and into the hip and vice versa. Um, so then I got into hip impingement, uh, because it's such a problem. I think a lot of therapists don't really know what to do with it. I definitely early in my career would see it and we didn't even learn about it in school to be honest. Uh, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, so I just dug into the research, a lot of trial and error. And uh, I feel like I've kind of, I don't want to say mastered hip impingement, but I think I, I have a good understanding of what to do with somebody with, with hip pain or hip mm-hmm. impingement. So, and then the other thing too is I played hockey my whole life. I still play hockey. And hockey players are very susceptible to getting hip impingement. So that's my niche now. Hockey players, the hip impingement. It's like that specific. And are you finding that you're able to attract a lot of those sorts of people? I'm getting a lot of hips in general. And yeah, I definitely have a bunch of hockey players on my schedule. But, uh, that, you know, if you put it out there that they're like a hip guy, you just get hip people. So I'm getting a lot of that right now. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I got a lot of. Now, granted, it's like 98% of the population has lower back pain, especially the older you get. It just seems to be more and more prevalent. But that's one of the things that even if you train with me one day a week, you'll probably solve that problem. I, I probably can at least figure out where it's coming from. And if I can, I know who to go to to f- find that. But as long as I know where it's coming from, I can I can figure that out in, in one day a week's worth of training. But some of the other things I thought I was really good at, like I thought I was really good at it's like solving shoulder pain. I thought I was really good at solving knee pain. The more and more I tried to solve these problems, the more and more I failed at it. Where I was like, oh, man, I shouldn't be trying to solve everybody's problems. I should try to be solved, trying to be solved the problems that I can yeah. solve. Yeah, I mean, but you, you do kind of, I think, have to start as a bit of a generalist. I and do then, think so as yeah, well. I mean, that was going to be my next point. Yeah, you, you can't just jump to being a specialist. It's a good place to end up. But you kind of have to try your hand at everything and then and also see what you like to work with too. If you, if you like to work with it, you're going to naturally just acquire more information on it. Yep. And that's the thing too. It's it's when, I, when you look back at your experiences, hopefully you have enough of them to at least make sort of a conclusion. But the... Older and older you get, the more and more experience you have, you need to start figuring out 
what's the problems that I can solve for what subset of people? The more and more you play to everybody's hand, the more and more you're just not going to get businesses as a result. Yeah. I got a business advisor um, right around when I started my company, so probably over a year ago now. And one of the things he said to me, which hit me hard, but did not stick with me as well as it should have, and I didn't translate it as well as I should have at the time, was the riches are in the niches. Mm -hmm. So again, we talked about Nike, we talked about Apple, we talked about Amazon. You need really need to carve out your specific subset of people. If you go on Instagram and you search like online trainer and you see one person's targeting like a very specific population like moms with knee pain. Well, and then you ask them what their sales are like. I guarantee you it's going to be better than the other guy who's just like, yeah, I'm an online trainer. Anybody who wants to come right. see me yep. can come see me. They've probably carved out a better niche. You could probably look at their conversion rates, probably higher. You can look at their engagement rate on their posts, it's probably higher because it's a very specific subset of people who have a very specific problem. It's a very big pain point for them. Um, so they want that, that problem solved by that specific person. So until you can do that, um, you can't just help everybody. But like you said, you kind of have to start helping everybody, figure out what you're good at. And then later on, once you're have the ability you can ha you can be the Amazon yeah. um, of the training space. And I think it definitely helps if you kind of speak the lingo, like, you know, there's a lot of physical therapists that are moving into the CrossFit sort of sector that are CrossFitters themselves. Right. I'm not a CrossFitter, so I, I'm not going to go into a CrossFit gym and try to set up shop there because I don't speak their language. I don't, I don't do all their lifts. I don't wear all of the crazy shoes they wear and all that. <laughs> um, so they do I, love their shoes. Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a population of individuals <laughs> that obsessed. loves shoes. Yeah. But I think they're on the right path, though. They, they're doing shoe okay. wear, They do a lot of zero drop shoes. They're, a lot of zero drop, mm -hmm. but really stiff. And I think they're completely wrong there. I okay. think they should go zero drop, super mobile. Yeah, I think like I think Vivo Barefoot is like the perfect shoe for a CrossFitter. Yeah. So, yeah, but my point being, though, if you play a sport or you have an activity that you love and you can solve a problem within that world, that's, I mean, that's, that's where the gold is, you know? Yeah. It should be like, you should think of it as, who can I knock it out of the park with? That, you know, it's like, it should be like a no-brainer. That's who you should work with. Yep, exactly. And, and who am I going to enjoy working with? Yeah. Like, who can I get real results for and also do well with? Um, and then we have to figure out, well, how do you market yourself as a as a guy who has a specific niche, once you found it, okay, it's going to be moms with knee pain. Well, how do I market myself? Where do I go? Um, well, the internet is an amazing place. <laughs> There's so many places to build leverage, so many places to build a community, so many places to build an audience. Um, you, know, you have YouTube, you have Facebook, you have Instagram, you have Twitch, even people are using that for fitness content creation. You have TikTok, you have Twitter, um, soon enough, you're gonna have Fideo, which is the app that I'm creating. Very excited! So it's it's gonna be awesome. Um, but there's so many places to go and build leverage that you need to go and figure out. Well, which of these? Well, use all of them first. Figure out which of those pieces of content. Now you have to find your content niche. Which of these pieces of content am I really good at creating? And then start creating that. And then start speaking to your audience. Label yourself as I solve this problem. I'm going to put out a whole bunch of content specifically related to this exact problem, and then I'm going to attack it. Yeah. And I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to talk to my users. I'm going to talk to my community. 
And uh, you're going to find a lot of success in that methodology. Yeah. I make it about them, not about you, right? It shouldn't be like, I have all these accolades. I have a doctorate. Don't, that's not what you want to go for. You want to talk to that person and their problem. They don't care about all your accolades. No. No, and they don't care about other people's problems. They don't right. care about other people's problems that you want to solve. Yeah. They care about their specific problem. I'll give you a really good example, right? I'm building this app video and I'm getting, I'm jumping on all these sales calls and I've had to realize my niche when I'm trying to find my early adopters. The people who have the specific pain point that you can solve today are going to be so excited to work with you. They're going to see it as an opportunity to work with you. Like obviously it's an opportunity for you to work with them because they're going to be paying customers. They're going to be driving more users to your systems. Um, hopefully there'll be word of mouth referrals for your training or your therapy or whatever the case might be, but they're going to, they're going to literally think of working with you as an opportunity. And when you see that little light bulb go off in their head, you know, you found the person and you need to figure out what their profile is and re-identify that in as many other people as you can. Yeah. Once you find that like ideal person, like kind of snapshot them in your brain and make them your, your avatar and that that's who you should be running all your content too, as if you're speaking directly to that person. Yes. That yep. helps. And then the next sales call you go on, think about the things that made them light up and think about the things that they were like, oh, I don't really care much about that. And just focus on the things that got them excited. Yeah. And I also find that if you can really dig down into what they're looking for, that really helps too, like on an emotional level. So it's not just I got knee pain. Okay, well, why do you have knee pain? Or, or what, why is that important to you? Well, right. I, I want to get back to running. Well, why is that important to you? Well, because I'm gaining weight and I'm afraid my wife will leave me. <laughs> Once you get to the... <laughs> well, that's, that's what I do. Is that You have to... I mean, that's like you know motivational interviewing. That's where you have to get people to understand what they're trying to do. And, well, you have to understand what they're trying to do. And if you can solve that problem, that's huge. Are we crossing lines by me asking if you've actually heard that exact line of reasoning? Uh, No, we're not crossing lines. I've heard things like that. Mm -hmm. That's just a for example. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not talking about myself either. (laughs) Well, that is definitely one of the things you have to deal with as a trainer and a therapist is people's problems. And we should probably have a sociology component attached to our degrees because there's such a big component. I think it's probably more in physical therapy definitely not enough in training yeah well i think training tends to be a little more straightforward like i just want to get fit right whereas i get get people come in they complain about their wife or they complain about their kids and they complain about their mental health and you're like okay (laughs) two more sets (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to dig deep with most people it's right there underneath the surface yeah no you don't yeah you really don't and they want to talk about it yeah it's scary sometimes sometimes i think that's my best tool as a therapist is just listening to people Mm -hmm. so i mean Rapport is huge when it comes to, you know, treating, you know, any kind of injury. And now you have a kind of a unique business model. Obviously, it's something that's growing. It should be growing because it's, I think it's just more effective. Cash-based physical therapy. Mm -hmm. How did you land upon that as something that fit specifically to you? Why was that founder product market fit for Chris Ellis? Well, I think it started, like, I've always kind of hated insurance in general. It's just, I've always seen it as a giant scam. Um, Because you've worked for clinics in the past. Yes. Yeah. For many years. So, uh, actually, I was a student. I was, um, we had to do what's called clinical rotations. And there's a a CI, a clinical instructor, who's a physical therapist that's basically overseeing you. And he would always talk about, you know, cash-based physical therapy is the way of the future. So, that kind of, like, started the thought. And then, you know getting into graduating school, getting into these insurance-based clinics. I always had them back in my mind. Yeah, one day I want my own. I always knew I want my own clinic. 
but then I was like, maybe the cash is the way to go. And then, I, you know, I got to a point where I was seeing like 27 people a day in, you know, in one day, 27 patients. Um, and that, what that really means is you're seeing two to three people at the same time. Yeah. And you have to document in all those people. I mean, that takes such a huge toll on you. First of all, it's hard to give quality care if you're treating two people at once. It's really hard. Some people can do it, but it's not that easy. And then all it takes is something like um, like one patient comes in, they're just going to start doing their normal exercises, and then the next one comes in, oh, I had a fall yesterday. Oh, great. And I had to do a whole like evaluation while I'm treating the other person. It's just insane. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the models. Another model is, you know, maybe you do the evaluation, then you get like a rehab aid to come follow up and do sort of cookie cutter exercises. You know, and most people don't really get that much better with that. Right. And then you just see the same people come in every year for the same thing because nothing's ever really changed. So it, the whole thing is totally dissatisfying. No one gets better. Uh, it's bad for the patient. It's bad for the therapist. Uh, not, you know, it's good for the company. <laughs> that's who makes the money. Um, so after years of doing that, I was like, that's it. I'm just going to do my own cash thing. So I started looking into it, um, started doing it on the side. I found a business coach through uh, PT Biz, Danny Matei. He's awesome. If you're thinking about going the cash route, check out his stuff, Danny Matei, M-A-T-T-A. Um, and then that really gave me a lot of guidance on how to do it because there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And uh, I've been doing it for a couple of years now and I've already doubled in profits and I work about a quarter as much. Yeah. So, and because of that, one of the greatest things is that, you know, you know, I'll see on an any given day, five or six patients versus 27. So I have much more energy and much more sort of bandwidth to work with somebody. I think I give way better service and it's all one-on-one obviously. So that was sort of the impetus behind it. But uh, what, you have a question? No, I was going <laughs> to ask, like, do you feel like that's your, you know, training three people at a time versus one person at a time? You feel like you're better in that one-on-one setting as well? 100%. Yeah. I mean, just even like the, I do a lot of hands-on work. I mean, how do you do hands-on work with two people at the same time? Yeah. You know, I got one set of hands. I mean, there's ways to do it. It's like, okay, you go ride you the go bike for here. 10 I'll, minutes. I'll, yeah. I'm going to massage this and yep. then I'm going yeah. to do the the thing on this <laughs> yeah then it just feels like you're prescribing exercise to somebody just to buy time with someone else and it, yeah. you know that's not that's not fair to people yeah so yeah. yeah that's the other thing too okay we found the problem that we can solve for people what environment can we solve it in is it going to be in a group setting is it going to be in a personal one-on-one setting is it going to be small group big group is it going to be all online right we, we really do have to consider online training as a very viable way to build a business you cut yourself <laughs> Mosquito bite scab ripped off. <laughs> Nasty. All right. Anyways, um, man, yeah, that's pretty gross. <laughs> anyway, just don't watch this video. <laughs> We're gonna have to blur that out or yeah, something. Yeah. All right. But um, yeah, you have to figure out the setting that you can actually solve that problem. And what settings do you operate? If you're a really good like people person, extrovert stuff like that, you might be really good in a group setting. Um, if you don't like going outside, maybe you're good in the online setting. But we do have to consider online training and all of the possible options that we can do, right? We can do live streams now. We can talk to a whole bunch of people at the same time from our living room. We can do um, virtual training that is very effective. We can do, like I do Zoom calls. Um, it's really, really good. I get good results with my people. So definitely consider all of the available options in the mediums you can train through. Figure out who you can help and the problem that you want to solve and the setting that you can solve it in. And if you do that, you're probably going to have a lot more success as a business. Yeah, I think the online stuff's exciting in, in the sense that you can just have so much more impact. Mm -hmm. uh, 
especially for you as a physical therapist, we're limited because we have state licenses. So I, I can only talk to people in Florida. Well, I can only treat people in Florida. Yeah. Uh, but, but you, you can, can monetize anywhere. You can sell yeah, programs. Yeah, I can do that. I could. I could still give advice. I could still, you know, have some level of impact. I just can't do physical therapy online mm-hmm. in California, for example. Yeah. So yeah, that's the only limitation. Sometimes I think that uh, personal trainers have way more leniency than a physical therapist. Hey, a good ES degree, a good certification, and a massage therapy license. Got a lot of freedom there. Yeah. And you got a lot of skill. Yep, it's true. Shh. <laughs> Don't let the secret out. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on the topic of finding your niche? Uh, no, but on the cash thing I want to talk about for a second is, uh, I just think that's the way of future for physical therapy. Am I, yeah, okay. I'm still um, dribbling a little bit. <laughs> I think we're going to, I mean, more and more students are hitting me up saying, Hey, how do I start my own cash business? This, uh, mastermind group I'm part of like hundreds of members are just, there's, they're popping up everywhere yeah. and people are, I think catching on that this is a thing. And a lot of people are like that I see went to traditional physical therapy and kind of like, no, that didn't work for me. They were seeing two people at the same time was some high school kid was telling me to do hamstring stretches and straight leg raises. You know, it's just, it's bad PT. So this is the way of the future. And by the way, you're going to save time and money this way too, because here's the other thing is like, if you go to traditional PT, you're going to be paying a copay, like 40 bucks. I've seen copay as high as 77 uh, every visit, maybe three times a week for four weeks times two months. You know, how many visits is that? <laughs> 24 visits. Right. Whereas I'll see somebody usually like six times or so, or once a week. Yep. Um, and that what people don't understand is that they have a deductible. So what will happen too at the end of a normal case of physical therapy, they get hit with like a three thousand bill, dollar bill because they haven't met their deductible yet. And on top of that, they have all the copays and all the time, and so it just ends up being more time efficient and you save money. Don't yep. go in the cash route and you get better better care. Mm-hmm. It should be a no brainer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So find your niche, people. Find that little branch that you need to hang on. Absolutely. And you'll uh, you'll do fine. Yeah. Uh, there's a physical therapist, Shantae Cofield. She says, if you want to be the thumb guy, be the thumb guy. You're going to do well. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Why not? Be the thumb guy. Be as specific as you want. You're not going to scare people away. No. For sure not. But that's all we got? That's all we got, John. All right. Till next time. Till next time. Do you have unexplained pain? Or do you wonder just how healthy you are? When was the last time you had your blood tested? Blood chemistry analysis is a great way to stay ahead of any health conditions. And now you can have control of your health with Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked is an incredible company that sends blood tests to your home. You can choose from over 30 different tests, whether that's liver function, testosterone, micronutrient, cholesterol, or C-reactive protein, which is a marker for inflammation. It's sent to you with free shipping and you get results in two to five days. No physician referral needed. Use the code DPT20 for 20% off. Go to letsgetchecked.com and use the code DPT20. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions you want answered, find us on Instagram at Modus Naples or send us an email. You can fill out a contact form on our website, which is modusnaples.com. Make sure to check out our blog and our shop as well, where there are downloadable programs that we'll continue to update. This is the Move with Bodas podcast. We'll see you next week.